0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Stack. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Justin.
0: Sup? I'm Pete. <laughs> and on the Stack, Ooh, we're talking about handle. a bunch of books that come out this week. Let's kick it off with Star Wars: Santa Staros, Number One from Marvel, written by Justina Ireland, art by Per Perez. This is spinning off of the main Star Wars titles, and is the first time Santa Staros the one time sort of, but not exactly, wife of Han Solo, and sort of, but sometimes actually girlfriend of Dr. Afra is getting her own solo title. Uh, we get to see a bunch more about her family here. I don't know how you feel about the character in general, but how did you feel about this title, you
2: dudes? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you wow. really aren't feeling well. Nope. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you know... Um, I thought it was a, a brand new character. I'm not as familiar, so uh, it's good to know all that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I felt like, it, uh, yeah, anytime we can get some new kind of people into the Star Wars world, I feel pretty good about it. I felt like this was a solid first-ish. I like the art. I like the pew-pew action fighting. And, uh, yeah, I was all in, man. It felt great.
1: This is going to sound crazy, but I I like that this – Star Wars comic dealt with a family. And I know most Star Wars stuff is like the Skywalker family, but they're never actually a family. They're always Mm -hmm. like, they don't know. They're like the reveal is that they happen to be related to each other. This is about like a family that is coming together and, doing something. That is sort of, I guess, a reveal later on in the comic. And so I, I thought that was cool. It offers a, some different tonal stuff here um, than maybe we've had in other Star Wars stuff. I'm constantly surprised by how deep continuity these Star Wars comics are. Uh, I sort of want a Star Wars comic that is like, get in and hang. And these comics mm-hmm. are like, you know about all this stuff, right? like all the stuff Alex <laughs> said, you better know about that uh, because they don't take the time to explain it.
0: I do think though, this is one that you can jump right in on. All you really need to know is that this is a character in the star Wars universe. Who's visiting her family after a while. And that's yeah. it. And like Pete was saying, it's a fun star Wars adventure. This is a fun roguish character. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how they differentiate her. I know she has been in a bunch of comics already, but particularly since this is her solo's title, I want to see a little bit more of a statement about her. As a character, but this does a good job of setting up her world, and it'll be rock and roll in an issue number two. Let's go over to the Flash One Minute War Special Number One from DC Comics, written by Jeremy Adams, art by Fernando Passerin, Serge Acuna, Lisandro Estren, and George Cambadius. This is focusing on a bunch of different characters in the world of this One Minute War, where a alien race is coming and stopping. All time on Earth, except for the flashes, as they steal the Speed Force energy from the planet. Here we get the origin of that race, among other things, as well as a glimpse at the future. Now we've been a little back and forth about this event. How'd you feel about the special?
1: I like this event. Uh, I know we've we've had our fun because Alex is always. Racing to get the flash in front of our uh, eyes, he's always like tapping into the speed force of our conversation to really put it front and center, like a bolt of lightning. But I do enjoy this. I think this is a fun concept. I like that we get the backstory on the people here and uh, the bad guys. That is by what I say when I mean people and the fact that the uh, we get this soul
2: stolen soul in here, right? Like
1: that's really caught me off guard. Mm It stressed me out.
2: Well, what I'm excited about is we're getting into this minute a little bit. I feel like finally, and you're really I was, worried about the timing. Are I was you going to be able to throw like one minute war? And I was like, well, when do we get into this fucking minute? Because it seems like an important minute, and I'd like to, you know, because the New York minute is quicker than a regular minute. So I'm wondering mm. if a flash yeah. minute's is going to be. And better. that's your that's your favorite Mary Kate and Ashley movie, right? New York minute. Uh, oh, no nope.
1: tough call. Don't nope. get into his yeah, power rankings. Definitely on not. All those. Yeah, but yeah, he's, yeah. a he's he's hot
0: button subject. That's yeah, your exactly. second favorite Mary Kate and Ashley movie, right? Hot but button anyways, subject? That's
1: yes. their political thriller, right? The one where they <laughs> sort of their Manchurian candidate, if I remember correctly. But let me ask you, Pete. You seem to be the type of person that's like, oh, this took sixty-two seconds. I'm oh, mad. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. the kind of guy that if I was like, give me a minute, you'd be like, it's been 15 minutes and you said you were going to be here. Why are you? Like, that kind of thing might bother
2: you. Yeah, it does. It does. Because you throw out a time like it has no meaning when it does. The rest of us live... Uh, in this time uh, with uh, importance to other people, and we care about them, so we try to show up for them. Because
1: you're older because you have fewer minutes left on the clock.
2: Exactly. But anyways, uh, more about this comic and less about our personal lives. Uh, Adorable kiss in here, maybe. I I feel like uh, all of a sudden there's like a little rom-com happening, and now I'm invested. Yeah. There are some
0: cute stories in here, and I liked the art. Can I throw out the world's worst criticism at
2: you guys? Well, you've said horrible things in the past. I mean, should we get into it? But OK, sure. I mean, no, this is know. the
0: world's worst criticism because it's, hey, this is how this should be. A whole event should be written differently, which is not fair. We should be judging it on the basis of what it is. But it really struck me reading this one minute war special, not to dig into what Pete's saying in terms of like getting into the one minute, but I feel like this whole thing would have been a lot stronger if this alien race came to the planet, froze time, so everybody on the planet is frozen, except for the Flashes, who are now moving at regular speed. Right. That is the big edit that I would make. Instead, and the reason for that is because then they would have a limitation. We would get a sense of, like,
2: the change
0: in speed that is going on here for them. And then, of course, you could have, like, a classic Barry Allen at the end is, like, now I'm going to run even faster and he's so, uh, able to do it. So you hold off on it or whatever. Let's not get caught up with that last part. No, too, no Let me do, let me
1: do <laughs> some, let me, <laughs> some things I want to
2: talk about. But you know let what I'm say, talking
1: about, right? I think Alex, that's actually a really smart idea and a great <laughs> way to make this a unique event. At the same time, though, I can hear a Alex Albin style voice in my head being like, but he's supposed to run fast. This whole thing is being yes, but it doesn't make any
0: sense to me. They're like, well, we slow down the entire world except for the flashes who can now run, still run very fast.
2: I, I don't know. They're, when are we going to get the spawn clock that counts down the 60 seconds? We all have yeah. our things. Why don't we move on? Yeah. From here? <laughs> 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 Almighty number one from Image Comics by Edward,
0: Edward LaRoche. This is a very interesting, kind of disturbing new post-apocalyptic book following yeah. a girl who has been kidnapped and the person who seemingly has been tasked with rescuing her. I have some doubts about how all this is working. What did you guys think about this one?
2: Well, take it easy there, Negative Nancy. Before you start your review, you're already throwing in uh, jibes on it. I don't appreciate that. Here's the thing. Those people are moving too fast. I want them to move (laughs) at a regular speed. Uh, all right. So we've we've had the post-apocalyptic thing done a, a ton of times, but mm. I do think this is a very interesting comic. I love the art style. kind of gives us this kind of Western feel to it, which is pretty cool. And we have a killer who's supposed to save the day. Do you see what they did there? I mean, come on. All jokes aside, though, I think this is a solid first issue. Does a great job of setting things up, getting you excited for more. I was really impressed by the art and uh yeah super tight bananas bro uh,
1: i also like this it's interesting because i agree with you alex there is something a little fishy here the killer who's rescuing our lost girl uh here has uh, some symbols on her uh face that all the other villains also have uh sort of subtly mm-hmm. so i feel like we're Could going be to just learn a coincidence some... yeah you ever bump into someone who has the same tat as you and been like yeah. wow yeah we're different people yeah, and that's just the Punisher skull, full-back Punisher skull. <laughs> right, Pete, for you? Pete yeah. walks
0: around shirtless all the time, just just to check.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but what I was saying is like, There's also this sort of, there's a moment in this book that um, talks about this trucker who found Jesus is like a character, and it feels like the book is making a point to stop and have us take notice of this. So I feel like there's going to be belief, religion, like why we do the things we do, uh, driving this book. And I like that sort of subtle theming that may be happening. And I bought into this world from the get-go, so I'm in.
0: Really good art, great character designs in particular, so even on that level, I think it's worth a pickup. Avengers, number 65 from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Javier Garanda. This is stepping back in time and giving us the origin of Avenger Prime, who, if you missed it, spoiler warning here, was revealed to be Loki. We find out exactly which Loki he is, who he is, why he is. Great reveal in that last issue of Avengers Forever. Loved the backstory here. Classic Jason Aaron storytelling. So fun, so big. Um, I love this event.
1: We've talked about this a couple different ways where it's like, Jason Aaron really putting it all in there. Where else can he go? Is he running out of ideas potentially because he's doing them all? I have a new analogy, though. I feel like Jason Aaron, every time I read this book, I'm like, it's when you go over to your friend's house who has, like, all the He-Man action figures. You Mm -hmm. have, like, four. And so you Mm -hmm. have your own little fights. We go over there and they're like, hey – Let's do this. And they dump all these. They're like, I've never even seen that. Two skunk ores? How do they get along? They Two both stink. <laughs> so that's what it feels like. And literally this issue, and this is like the lightest spoiler possible, the issue ends with a two-page spread where Loki's saying, more Avengers. <laughs> I'm just like, are we at capacity? That's my one-minute war. I'm like, I can't handle more adventures! (laughs) Uh,
2: I I agree with the statement that Jason Aaron is killing it and having so much fun, and it's really impressive. Even, like... Just kind of getting into this story and reading it again, I'm like, all right, let's see what Jason Aaron's got up his sleeve. And it's still impressive what he's pulling off. I'm having a great time with it. It really feels like his Avengers, and he's moving it uh, at a great pace. That's got a ton of action, and it's really surprising and fun. So, man, to keep picking it up after all this time and still being impressed with it really says a lot. Yeah. Where Monsters Lie, number one, from Dark
0: Horse Comics, written by Kyle Starks, art by Piotr Kowalski. We had Kyle Starks on the show a couple of weeks back we should to have talk talked about, about this Where Monsters Lie, and he did talk about it. Pete, in-depth, yep. goddammit, listen to it. <laughs> this is about a gated community, essentially, for serial killers who get together between kills, more specifically supernatural slasher film style killers and there's all variations on there. Very fun, very funny book. I think we all agreed on it, but now that it's finally out, let's put our real opinions out there. Yeah. Let's be be
1: real. Well, first off, like P I'm so sorry. Like, to have a character named Fuckmaster, your nickname, <laughs> oh like, it must be such an affront to you. Like, I feel like you're so – it must be so upset. So, I, first off, let me apologize in, about yeah. that. I was walking along with Pete
0: uh, through the streets of New York once when, when he used to live here. He was shirtless, of course. Somebody saw first his Punisher, tat, and it was like, wait a second. Fuckmaster? And it yeah. was uh, – And you married that girl.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was a glorious time. Uh, Yeah. I, this is just such a fun premise, such a, you know, kind of like even the serial killers have to make sure that their trash bins aren't uh, visible and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of uh, of fun happening in this really insane premise and it's super creative and super well done. It's just a very interesting premise that is playing out so well to the, the delight of the readers. Yeah. I just uh, we were super blown away by it and it it continues. I'm glad now everybody else gets to kind of see what we were talking about before. And, yeah, you can just tell this person has a love of the genre and uh, is really bringing it.
1: This comic has a lot of and I mean, this is a compliment, obviously, a lot of ice cream man energy. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm here for that. Bloodline,
0: Daughter of Blade, number one for Marvel, written by Danny Lore, art by Karen S. Darbo. You can
2: figure out what this is from the title, but Pete, you seem pretty excited,
0: so take it away.
2: Yeah, uh, we got uh, kind of new Blade action here. It turns out Blade has a daughter, fun reveal. Uh, And yeah, it's kind of a cool kind of mother-daughter relationship that we get here. And uh, towards the end, uh, spoilers, you get to see Blade, and then hopefully these worlds will collide and we'll get more fun. Uh, But yeah, just a great setup, fantastic art, kind of pulls you into the Blade universe here, and uh, it's exciting exciting
1: um i have a feeling that yeah blade will probably play into this a little bit and like there may be um like maybe the father will eventually encounter the daughter yeah you think i'm really stepping out on a a bloodline a blood limb when i say that oh boy oh well
0: since they he does show up at the end of the issue and the tease for the second issue is blade is going to show up next issue I think there's a pretty fair chance that you didn't read this
1: book. Did you read this book? Me? <laughs> no, I, I read it. I was oh, okay. making fun of Pete oh, <laughs> Pete's okay. uh, review of the book. Uh, I actually thought the art yeah, was so, really cool. You see
2: where you that got you. You just yeah, end no, up making it so look I got, dumb.
1: I got suspicious. I got suspicion dropped on me from one Alexander's album. Um, the, um, I thought the art in this was very good, and yep. I, I do like this character. I sort of don't know quite what the her thing is yet, though. I want to see mm-hmm. is, is she going to be a vampire hunter I feel like she's learning about it but her mom knows about it, and she sort of knows about it, but then they don't talk about it. I would be my first question, would be like, "Hey, what the fuck? Am I a vampire, or what, am I a daywalker, a well, nightwalker,
2: am I?" You know, it's funny you say that because you know sometimes uh, when we're f- uh, doing podcasts, I can see your children behind you, and like one of them, it seems like they're kind of lining things up, and I was like, "Oh man, I bet you she's going to be a line producer, just like her dad." But she's got her own, you know, life to live, and we're going to see where that takes her. But yeah. she Real can quick, fall back on that. Not to interrupt Peter or anything, but Justin, are you thinking? Expensive?
0: into being a bloodline producer.
1: I was going to make that joke. I was going to make that joke, and I, I didn't think you were going to. Shouts to you for doing it, because like I, I love it. All right, I are. would love to be a bloodline producer. I guess that's what having a kid is, is just being a bloodline producer, <laughs> oh, yeah, technically. Is, uh,
0: yeah. <clears throat> Pretty much. I, I would throw out there on your point, yes, there's a lot of setup in this issue, but it does feel like a classic pilot issue in that way. We do get to meet another character who seems to be a vampire slayer as well. There's big Buffy vibes going on here If you like the show First Kill, that was on Netflix, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, this seems like honestly a better version of that, frankly. Well, Um, shots fired, dude. Can't you just cobble on something and not put something on? Yeah, that show was not good, but a lot of people loved it, so good for them. But if you are missing that show since it was cancelled after a season, you can probably check this out, and this would be a fun one for you. Lazarus Planet, Legends Reborn, number one from DC Comics, written by Alex Segura, Alex Pactadal, Greg Pak, Dennis Culver, art by Clayton Henry, Christopher Mitten, min Q Jung, and Jesus Marino. This is another collection of stories from the DC Universe where very vaguely there's some green rain falling on things and causing some magical things to happen, but mostly we're getting a bunch of teases of characters and things coming up in the DC Universe.
1: Here's the thing, Alex, you were talking about how like, man, I really wish this um, uh, Flash event would be a little more organized, and I was like, yeah. Point that cannon at Lazarus Planet, <laughs> at a, an event where I'm like, "What are we doing here?" Yeah. It's like it, every character is like, "Hey, it's weird, it's raining out here," and then they do their own thing. I'm like, "That's not an event. That's I, what yeah, our no, are. That like, that's how it rains. we live." In we, our lives Agree yes. That's how it works In our lives But yeah. this so is comic So I've
0: been taking my son To the local comic book shop On Wednesdays And when I was in there This past week There was some guy Who's like Hey To the guy Who owns the story He's like Hey how's this uh, Lazarus planet event And he was like uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, Well, there's not really a story It's like, there's a collection of shit And I was like, oh, I feel you, buddy We do the same yeah. thing on our podcast every week So,
2: yeah, there
1: you go Well, it, But it, it honestly is, like, the whole event is like Hey, it's raining in the DC universe today
2: It's raining <laughs> The
1: rain, there's no other unifying factor you know, here. it's and like?
0: Th- it's like Blackout Thursday on NBC You all know what I'm talking about What right?
1: the fuck? Uh, that sounds like that's where we watch NBC and get blackout drunk. Is no, that what, this yeah. is
0: when NBC had oh, its Oh, back in the see. day, I
1: do know Blackout Thursday, right? and I actually love Great Friends episode. Yes. And um, that's what I remember. Well, it was a
0: Great Friends episode. So It was the whole lineup. They were like, the whole lineup. There's a blackout in New York. Can it's we talk act, about- Hold on. No, I'm talking about Blackout Thursday we now. We have to solve this. The so it's this whole lineup uh, where all the shows take place in New York on Thursdays, so and they're like, Oh, there's a big blackout, and it's going to connect all the shows, and everybody's going to be doing a blackout. And Sideful is like, We're
1: not doing that.
0: Yeah, So it was just like blackout on friends and then blackout on like, I assume the single guy or something. No,
1: I think it was, and uh, this may be oh, wrong. Mad About You. Mad, about, Mad you. about You. Because if I remember correctly, the Mad About You episode, this is some old man shit we're doing right now, by the way. But <laughs> I think the Mad About You episode, they caused the blackout. That's like, right. Polarizer, yeah. so like, is a, a collection of right. stories, <laughs> and I really like, we get it. More. No, we but
0: my get point, it. this is tied into it, because it's the same thing where it was like, NBC is like, we got this big event. Everybody's in the blackout. And Seinfeld's like, nope. <laughs> and it did the whole night had no theme. It's the exact yeah. same theme with this. We're like, occasionally, this Lazarus raid is causing some big green monster to appear. But sometimes it doesn't matter at all. And the like you were saying, with the Friends episode being a great Friends episode, the City yeah. Boy story in here by Greg Pak yes. is awesome. Really good. Yes even though it does not need to be in this event or anthology at all.
2: And the one and with actually, Nightwing and Batman was cool. Also, I like the Raven story and the Question story was good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I liked all those stories as well. So I can't be mad at this. It's just, it's like the packaging is incorrect for me because it doesn't feel at all like an event. And Pete, I know you're pissed. We talked about that, but I thought you were a rough riser and you rised or die. <laughs> rise or die. And apparently you, you don't. So that's, I guess you're not a, a true Paul riser. Wow. Blood tree. Number one from image college Shots written fired.
0: by Peter J. Tomasi art by Maxim civic. This is a mystery story set in a city where people are dying Seemingly angels are dying, but we find out very quickly they're not angels. They have wings sewn on for an unknown reason. Oh, this is a oh, great, creepy. Yeah, this is a great, really creepy, dark crime book in the way that only Peter J. Tomasi can do. I thought it was very interesting because it's under the bad ghost imprint, which is Jeff Johns imprint under image, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to connect to the ongoing universe that Jeff Johns is creating in his other books. Regardless, great crime book. I was very into it. What about you all?
1: It's written with such confidence, like, oh, there's a lot of disparate action here that hasn't connected yet, but I appreciate that I feel like it will, and there's a tension over the all of it. Like, we have this family where their pets keep dying. And it's hard to tell if the kid is doing it or if it's just part of this death or, you know, every- I mean,
2: goldfish, uh, you know, don't really last that long sometimes. So, you know, it's one of those things and kids, you know, they'll stick stuff in the tank when they're not supposed to. So, you know, it's really tough, you know,
1: Pete, did you not feed it? Did you not yeah. feed your goldfish or do you feed it too much?
2: No, it was. Uh, I kept shoving stuff in the tank, like I used to do this thing <laughs> where I would lower a ring, you know, and then I would put fish food on the other side, and the fish would swing swim through the ring to get the food. And I thought, oh, man. oh you were trying to teach the fish tricks. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Goldfish famous for their
1: memory. So yeah.
2: yeah. But anyways, Blood Tree. Uh, yeah, super impressed with this. I thought it was like really solid first ish. uh uh, set up this kind of creepy ass uh world but i do like uh this kind of like who done it why what's really gonna go on are these uh you know real angel wings are they not are they murders? are they somehow connected by some madman so or mad person so yeah i was just uh I think they did a great job of setting up this world and then kind of I'm excited to see what happens next. Cool. All right. There we go. Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number
0: nine for Marvel, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Carmen Cardero. In this issue, Captain America and his amazing friends are trying to get back into New York City, which (laughs) has been taken over by Abe and MODOK. With a C at the end, mental organism designed only for control, a new evolution of MODOK. We find out some big twists and changes in this issue that I don't necessarily want to spoil, but just another banger of an issue of this title. Yeah.
1: Just loving this run, top to bottom. And this book managed to do the impossible, really, made a MODOK seem scary. Oh, my God, terrifying. So good and so scary and great bringing in a lot of Captain America universe characters that often can seem a little bit one or two dimensional and really making them a part of the game here.
2: Also, I want to give shout outs to like the, the page layouts and stuff. Really a lot of artistic stuff happening in this. Really impressive. It yeah. was also like repetitive, uh, creepy Modoc head kind of thing that kept reappearing. That was really awesome and well done. Just super impressive artistically, everything that's happening besides all the cool stuff.
1: That's a great call, P. because I, I want to say I'm not going to spoil sort of the what happens in the story, but. It, the book very subtly in the layouts that Pete's talking about, like reflects the changes happening for the characters in the story in a way that I think is done super subtly and not, uh, and really just enhances the read as opposed to being like more a gimmick or something like that.
0: Agreed. Uh, Breath of Shadows, number one from IDW Publishing, written by Rich Dueck, art by Alex Corbach. This is following a rock star who needs a little inspiration, so he decides to go on a Heart of Darkness trip. Through the jungle with a bunch of hanger-ons, we get the setup of that trip in this issue, as well as some creepy as heck centipede
2: art. Uh, How'd you guys feel about this? Th- this was really creepy. The, the 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 bugs and the stuff coming out of the eye and the nose were some of the creepiest things ever. That really stayed with me more than I would have liked. The art. What's your is- favorite
1: bug? What's your favorite bug?
2: Favorite bug,
1: yeah, because you don't like these bugs, you don't like centipede. Well, so, don't. think
2: about it this
0: way if you had to have one bug crawl out of your eyeball, what bug would yeah. it be? Pete,
2: great, qu- I don't know, great what's question. What's the thinnest bug? Uh, I the guess thinnest it,
1: bug, yeah, the, the one bug? that would hurt
2: the least. Uh, uh, uh like yeah. a, a bed bug, <laughs> uh, no, please. <laughs> uh, bed bug Is the thinnest bug they can um, get in an any. Uh, that's that you don't really... think a
0: centipede is thinner than a bed bug? It's short the whole
1: bed bugs, good at hiding. Centipedes, yeah. I feel like they're always like, whoops, you found me. What about <laughs> a house
0: centipede? We get house centipedes in my apartment, and they're like, there's no bug there. They're all legs, baby. What a oh. cute way
1: of uh, talking about a bug in your house. That's <laughs> <laughs> our house centipede. He sort of serves drinks. Really creepy. They sound
0: very nice. They're terrifying when you see them at the tub in the tub of the boarding.
2: The art I, is so. Uh, Creepy. It's, it gets you. It, it really gets you a reaction, which is really impressive uh, for this to, to achieve. Uh, the fact that I was so skeeved out by still panels is very impressive.
1: Yeah. Uh, what I do is because I want them to be even creepier. I like I get little bugs to walk the comic around my apartment so oh the panels do also move. Uh, I think this book does a great job of visualizing what uh, the one of these characters' addictions feels like, which I think is sort of the point of it. It doesn't feel like these bugs are real. It feels like this is how the character feels and is trying to solve it. And I think that we'll get a supernatural angle on it eventually, but the way that it's sort of visualizing this feels really cool. And um, I'm curious uh, what the supernatural element will be here, because it feels pretty straightforward currently.
0: Yeah. Silver Surfer, Ghost Light, number one from Marvel, written by John Jennings, art by Valentin Delandro. This proclaims, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the next great superhero adventure starts here on the cover, which is a big sell right there. But in this issue, we meet two kids, who are investigating, I believe it's their uncle's house or uncle. Their uncle has died. They moved into the house uh, and they discover some stuff that, of course, connects them to Silver Surfer. That's not too much of a spoil. It's right there in the title. Um, I thought this was awesome. I don't think they oversold it at all. Valentine Delandro's art is phenomenal, it sort of walks this line between like, new school art and old school art in a really incredible way, and yeah. the way that the story folds out, I thought was great as well.
1: Again, to really focusing on a family at first and treating the Silver Surfer like um, he is this otherworldly entity, as opposed to sort of a character or hero that is out to do something. So that's really cool. Those are some of my favorite Silver Surfer stories, a character that I really love that I feel like has been underserved in the Marvel Universe lately, so I do hope this is the next great Uh, superhero story starting right now
2: yeah i i agree the the art's really impressive um uh, i like the tie in of the family to this start i i felt like it was a slow confident build for this and i I thought that was really impressive and well done i like the kind of last page reveal uh and uh yeah i was really impressed with this and i feel like we got uh something big and good going on here so i'm excited DC Power, a celebration number one from DC Comics written by Evan Narcisse, Lamont
0: McGee, Stephanie Williams, Brandon Thomas, Dorado Quick, and Jordan Clark, Morgan Hampton, Chuck Brown, John Ridley, and K. Jemison. Art by Daryl Banks, Chris Cross, Aletha Martinez, Natasha Bustos. Clayton Henry, Valentine Delandro, Patterson Oliveira, Olivia Copel and Jamal Campbell. This is of course a kickoff to Black History Month from DC and it, I believe it's curated by John Ridley. I could be wrong about that, but it's, he does
1: the forward which I there think you go. Yeah. Uh, was very cool. Yes.
0: And this is a walk through the history of uh, black characters in DC comics. It almost seems to be a date order, I think, like in terms of when they were introduced, though, maybe not totally strictly. We get a lot of different views of these characters from Black Lightning, who seems to be straight out of the CW show to finally an origin of Green Lantern Joe as the final story. I thought this was a very cool collection. Pete, curious to
2: hear what you think uh since i know you love a lot of these characters yeah this was really uh well done the art is super tight respectful respectful uh bananas and I, I just think that like uh it was a cool collection and re- well put together uh the black lightning story was great the nubia and bumblebee was really awesome uh, we as we saw the brotherhood of evil uh straight from the doom patrol tv it's your series, Mala. Uh, yeah with brain the brain yeah, that was so cool to see. Uh, I, you know, I don't like Green Lantern, but I really appreciate this Green Lantern story. Uh, I just thought it was a, a well-cultivated, really impressive uh, collection of, of work here. Uh,
1: agreed. The, the introduction by John Ridley I thought was really cool. Um, but the, some of the standouts, I thought the Green Lan- both Green Lantern stories. The John Stewart story I thought was awesome, as yeah. well as the Green Lantern Joe, uh, like Pete uh, or like Alex said uh, earlier on, I thought were great. I thought the cyborg story was cool and a good blend of the cyborg from the Doom Patrol uh, TV series. with the cyborg from main DC continuity, which are s- pretty starkly different characters. I would like to see that character be more of a middle ground between the two of them going forward. So this was really cool to see. The Vixen Batwing stuff, I thought was really, I was like, oh, okay,
2: we got a little <laughs> bit of a romance
1: here. Um, yeah. To- Right in the canon that I'm like, I can get behind this romance, uh, especially in like a I'm so into the Dick Barber romance. I'm like, see this young upstart. It's going to be all couples here pretty soon in the Batman. Uh, love that. Uh, and the the John Ridley story later on, I thought the art by um, uh, Olivier Coppel was so good.
0: Radiant black number 21 from image comics written by Kyle Higgins art by Marcelo Costa and Eduardo Ferragato in this issue. Our duo radiant blacks are trying to take down shift pairing up with none other than their new government contact, the U S postal service. Oh Um, man. Very fun issue of radiant black that still sets up some big things for the future. I would bet we're heading towards a big event happening in issue 25. Um, How'd you guys feel about this?
2: I mean, it continues to just be so great. Uh, The tag team fun that we got to see where they were passing the powers back and forth, like a tag team wrestling match almost was so cool. So neat, very creatively done. Uh, Yeah. I just, uh, I continue to be impressed by radiant black and everything that's accomplishing. The art is incredible. This is just uh, quite a package.
1: The uh, We've talked about this, comparing it to the Invincible universe a lot, but I feel like now we've entered the phase, the same that Invincible did, where after a while, when the book was like doing well, you could see Kirkman switch to gear and was like, all right, now I'm going to do a million things. I'm going to put all this stuff on the table and just see how much I can loop back to over the course of the series. And I think Radiant Black has done that and is in the middle of being like, we can tell every story, we're raking reference across the board, we're setting things up opening new power sets here, introducing these characters. And then we have the fun thing of the U.S. Postal Service thing, which reminds me of the government contact that Invincible had back in the day. Uh, I was going to,
0: not to interrupt you, but I was going to mention that because when he showed up, I was like, oh, here we go. This is their Cecil Stedman down to like mangled side of the face. And the fact at the end, he was like, well, see you later all done here i thought that was almost a pointed reference to no we're not setting him up as that maybe he'll show up again but this is not
2: going to take over things in the same way that cecil took over invincible see it was weird because you said not to interrupt him and then you really did interrupt him i appreciated it because
1: um i that's i we i think we were our thinking was aligned yes Hmm. should i say yes to interrupt you
0: yeah, that be better, yeah exactly. That would be clear. Yes, to interrupt think, you, Pete, but why don't we move on to the next title? Scarlet I think Witch. we're pretty
1: comfortable interrupting each other, though, at this point, right? Mm. I mean, we're it certainly. Makes doing me
0: it makes me viscerally <laughs> uncomfortable every time we do it. Scarlet Witch, number two from Marvel, written by Steve Orlando and Stephanie Williams, art by Sarah Pacelli and Chris Allen. In this issue, we're continuing the story of the Scarlet Witch owning a shop that summons people. It's probably the wrong word, but they come through her door. They've got a problem. She solves the problem. Here, none other than Vision's daughter is Viv. A, Viv, that's her name, has a problem and needs Scarlet Witch's help. And then we get a backup story where Scarlet Witch helps Storm out of a little bit of a jam. This book is great.
1: This book is fantastic. The, like I'm sure Pete will talk about um, the R in a context that um, it will be hard for me to understand exactly what he means by it, <laughs> but. <laughs> I consider this like pretty fresh nectarines. The the thing <laughs> with this book that I think is such a standout is the way that we have a little bit of uh, almost Sandman in at the end of the world energy here with the, mm-hmm. the last door where it's this, this idea that uh, the Scarlet Witch has this shop and in it is this door. And when everyone – whenever someone is out of options – they open the door and they end up in her shop. And I think that's such a smart premise. It touches on the that sort of mystical, magical, vertigo-esque world while also remaining firmly rooted in uh, Marvel Comics superhero uh, lifestyle. Like we have Viv, we've got Storm, we've got um, uh, Pete's girl Darcy here. Yeah. Uh, h- hanging out. Like it's very much a superhero book, but it incorporates those elements which is perfect because that's what Scarlet Witch is. She's at the nexus of the superhero world and the magical world. She's touched on so much, Avengers, X-Men, all that, while also being this mystical force that is very powerful. So I think this book is just bringing together so many things at once in a way that I think is very good. I want to, this is the book I want to push out there because I think it's a great new book hitting the stands
2: right now. 100% agree. One hundo, bro. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Uh the Lion Head Splash page was worth it uh, for the price of mission, right there. I mean, that thing was just really unbelievable. But yeah, having Darcy. Oh, Pete,
1: you should see The Lion King.
2: I'll check the it movie, out. The movie or maybe the, yeah, anything. Which one? Or just the, the live action
0: King? one, right? With the live action lions that they is there. An, sorry,
1: is there another one?
0: I'm, I'm so I'm so sorry. Yeah. Is there another
1: one? Uh, other
0: There's than a the live action one. Yeah. They did some sort of like retrograde, downgrade type version. Like they sweeted it, basically. You know? right, so that they
1: did oh a an little animation sweet. Uh-huh. I haven't seen it, but I think the Lion King, I just love this scene. The only scene I've seen is when sex appears in the sky. I <laughs> think it's <that's> so good. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. So good. I love the big penis castle in the background of Little Mermaid.
2: That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Wow. It's nice that you guys enjoy things. We all <laughs> love kids' I, movies. I just think that this is uh, really impressive what this book is uh, checking out. So only the second issue. It's a great time to get it caught up and jump on board. Young Hellboy, number four, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola and Thomas
0: Nagowski, art by Craig Rousseau. This is wrapping up the Assault on Castle Death storyline, I believe it's called, where Young Hellboy is teaming up with Lobster Johnson. Is Lobster Johnson
2: real? Is he imagination? What? I don't know. Oh, man, it's Pete, really Pete freaking it's me caught out. Up in it. Pete's caught up in it. Yeah, I mean, because it's hard to tell. You know what I mean? And poor uh, young Hellboy, he's trying to prove this case, but nobody's believing him. And I'm on his side on that because I can't tell if it's really happening or not. But, man, uh, the art's unbelievable. It's just such a fun uh, take on uh, Hellboy and great adventures, amazing art and storytelling. It's a It's a total package. What's your who's your favorite
1: seafood based superhero? Do you think is it Lobster <laughs> Johnson or what? Do you is it Clam Henderson?
2: <laughs> always, uh, always Clam Henderson. Shrimp McGee, Shrimp McGee, you like him? Uh, crab legs, uh, McGillicuddy. One of my favorites, <laughs> Alaskan crab legs.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, That's a different. That's a great. I'm yeah. glad we have such a strong list of these uh, options yeah. here. Did you
0: guys ever see the issue where Crab Legs McGillicuddy met Alaskan Crab Legs McGillicuddy? <laughs> what a fight! I, oh oh my God. They, they fought, then they teamed up, and then they sucked the meat right out of their oh, shells. Oh,
2: man. <laughs> right out of it. Don't forget about putting some lemon on top. Come on, man. Oh, I'd mean, never yeah. forget about putting some lemon on top. That was the name come of the on, crossover. Yeah, Put some lemon on top. <laughs> Put some, yeah.
0: Part one, soup. Alpha Alpha issue, and then it spun off into a bunch of unrelated things that introduced. What's our the character.
1: next comic? Yeah. so they're living so close to crab country. You can tell that he's, this is really resonating with it. I <laughs> <laughs> do love
2: a great uh, Maryland uh, <laughs> cream of crab soup. You know what I mean? It's really crab cake, LePage yeah. over here. The so next right, year, we're you about up. the
0: time Pete and I were walking through the streets of New York City. he was shirtless. The woman came up to him and saw his Punisher back tat and was like, Fuck, master. And he was like, He put his little crab legs down. He was like, And he was like, It's me.
1: Yeah. yeah. And a bed bug came out of his eye, right? Oh, <laughs> <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for this book, I, I thought this was cool. This has a great way of switching between sort of the the vision that we think Hellboy is having a fever dream and the reality underneath and to leave us without any clear answers is cool. Uh, Again, I don't know where all of this Mignolaverse stuff is going, maybe nowhere, but uh, we're here. We're along for the ride. Demon Wars down in flames. Number one from
0: Marvel by Peach Momoko. This is continuing the Demon Wars storyline. Beautiful art.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hard art stuff from Alexander Salvin. It's
2: not just beautiful art. I mean, it's like watercolor paintings for each panel. It is unbelievable. It's breathtaking. It's It transports you to another world. It's great samurai action. It's really just a, a real piece of work. Yeah, this is just really impressive. Beautiful art. <laughs> what is happening
1: i'm not a hundred percent sure i will say the art does really feed into the watercolor really feeds into the story the way that the characters are sort of doing battle is very much yes. supported by the art it's all languid sort of uh flowing energy between each other it's got like an but, anime
2: feel to it it's really nice uh,
1: very much so it, it also like it does touch on like sections of the marvel universe we get sort of a, what I think is the Scarlet Witch type character at the end, because the word Scarlet is there. But mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but I also don't, the, the narrative is hard to follow to me. DC's Harley
0: Quinn Romance is number one from DC Comics, written by Alexia Quasarano, Zippara Smith, Amanda Dybert, Frank Allen, Raphael Dracon, and Carolina Mohez, Greg Locker, Jessica Burby and Ivan Cohen, art by Max Sarin, Will Robson, Adriana Mello, John McCrae, Iguara, Greg Locker, Priscilla Betrates, and Fico Osio. This is a bunch of uh we're pivoting from Black History Month to two weeks later to Valentine's Day with yeah. a bunch of romance <laughs> stories coming out from the DC universe. I think some of these people have to be romance writers, is my guess. So that's probably what's going on here. Um, I probably should have looked it up before we came
1: on the show. But what do you guys think, Pete? You're our Roncom expert. Yeah, I was going to say I know Pete liked At least one of these stories
2: Yeah so this is a Fun collection of stories Love the Harley Quinn And Poison Ivy Also the Batman Witnessing an engagement And then having to Kind of throw them Into the uh, Bat wing with him Was fun uh, The Constantine one Was good But the Kite man Got a little weird The Kite man Got that one That one got a little weird But well, other you than can that date,
1: was... You can date a kite Yeah sure. Tell me you haven't Kissed your podcast Mike once
2: not one time, bro. Just one little, uh, no, little no, peck on the
1: little peck on the sort of
2: front. I, I, do, you, do you do that before every show? Yeah, it's good luck. Okay,
1: what, what can I say? I'm a lover of love. This there's a lot of there's a lot of pretty good stories in here, but man, mm-hmm. I thought the Constantine story really popped for me. Yeah. It's great, really like sort of like romantic, tragic, a nice blend of of those two emotions, which I think are pretty bound up in Valentine's Day in general. The Fire and Ice story was fun, and I also liked the one at the end that I'm quickly finding. Oh, the one where everyone's fucking Aquaman. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go Rogue Sun number 10 From Image Comics <laughs> Written by Ryan Parrott Art by Marco Renna Another issue of I think my favorite Massive Verse book You love this I book
1: really I really like sell this, it book. To I I love it. this book Sell it to us Sell it to well, us Sell it to us Because I'll tell you it, This one isn't my favorite But you love nah. it I think part of the reason That I like it Is
0: there's very much This tension between uh, granted, the main character of Radiant Black is a jerk, right? But he yes. has his friend to balance him out. And at this point, he's really trying to do better. Our main character here in Rogue Son is still very much a jerk and really not backing off of it. He is just an, an, he's like the Damian Wayne of uh, the massive verse. And I know Ooh, that's not everybody's taste, mm, but that character really appeals to me, too. Like, how do you take this character who is the biggest jerk possible, put him in an heroic context And will he still be heroic? And at the end of the day, Rogue Son is. He is pushing forward. We get some great stuff here with a medieval version of Rogue Son that got pulled forward in time, who has made a deal with him uh, to teach him some powers and techniques. And meanwhile, in the background, we have a villain who beat the crap out of him. So, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting, dramatic stuff going on here in terms of the tension. Also, with his family, uh, they have a fascinating dynamic between his stepbrother and stepsister, as well as him and his stepmom, his friend at school who is having a romance that he's not totally on board with. So... I don't know. I like all the dramatic interactions. I like the fact that it's delving into the magic side of this universe, which feels very different than the more sci-fi radiant side of everything that's going on. I just have a very good time reading it every time out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think it gets into some deeper themes than maybe the other uh, massive verse stuff. So I, I I give it credit for that. I also think the there's a little more innovation in some of the way the actual book is. The storytelling is done. Like, we get some uh, big horizontal splash pages here, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And I, there's the f- famous issue, Alex, that you t- you've you talked about a bunch that you, like, that was super innovative and really smart. So I definitely give it that. It's maybe just the characters are a little bit more, like, off-putting f- to me compared to the other Massiverse stuff. Plus, well, so it's mean- good.
2: Uh, you guys aren't giving enough credit to the art there, art here, because it's it's almost like before you start reading it, uh, somebody's like, "Excuse me, sir, how tight would you like your bananas? Super tight?" Because the yeah. art is phenomenal. Uh, just,
0: and just real quick, how many times do people ask you that when you go to the supermarket, just on a regular basis?
1: No, there's a the guy who's like, "Hey, Mister um, Tallyman, um, <laughs> tighten me bananas."
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tighten up zip. and make them real tight. Don't, don't. <laughs>
1: Dump. I took my car into the shop the other day, and the guy was like, here, bananas aren't tight. These, these bananas need to be tightened up. I was like, what?
2: But uh, the art's phenomenal. And artistically, what they're doing here, especially towards the end there, and there was a cool reveal. I'm really impressed with it. The Approach, number
0: four from Boob is written by Jeremy Hahn and Jason A. Hurley, art by Jesus Hervas and Leah Caballero. In this issue, our monster who is attacking an airport has all cocooned up, got in his little egg sack and is ready to hatch Dude. while everybody else is trying to blow up the airport. Doesn't go particularly well leading into what I believe is the final issue. Next issue, though I could be wrong. How y'all feeling about this one, y'all? All
2: right. So this is like, it's like Die Hard to meets cocoon meets aliens. This is just uh really over the top fun. The grandma freaks me out a little bit, but man, um, uh, yeah, I'm having a blast with this. Each each issue just ramps up more and more. Uh, it's really impressive. Did Gra- a-
1: you say it grams up? Like no, grandma's no. Up?
2: Ramp, ramps
1: up? Ramps up. I really up. thought you said grabs up.
2: No. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. But uh, yeah, I'm just super impressed with this. It's intense. It's crazy. You don't know what you're going to get, but each issue is a hell of a ride.
1: A lot of times I'll wait to go to a party until it grams up. You know what I mean? To <laughs> so like, you know, 11 o'clock and all the grams come out. Pete, I mean, that's when you come to, I know that uh, For sure uh, This, I, I like this story a lot I think it's uh, the art is cool It has great, just like like Pete's saying Action horror uh, vibes to it Action horror movie vibes The way, though, that the an event happens Right at the end of the issue I was like, yo, fuck that dude. Dude. <laughs> like, I, I was like, how do you do that to, to me? Yeah, like, right at the end I did not appreciate that I don't know This is a story that every issue, it's like Oh, just everybody who we were talking about died just right then. They all died, and then this year's hero. I'm like, come on, man, it can't be all. And I don't know who's left. Who's the hero? Is it just the last person?
2: Know. Us. Maybe it's us.
1: Yeah, it's the people who left the airport. Who's like, you know what? I'm gonna not fly to that place. Yeah, which just I guess is true. Chose
2: to drive. Ah. <laughs>
0: Dark Web finale number one for Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by Adam Kubert, Francesco Motorino, and with Scott Hanna. In this issue, we are wrapping up, as you can tell, the Dark Web event. It's all come down to Chasm and Holiday, I want to call
1: her. Hallow's Eve. Hallow's yes. Eve. She's sort of a holiday situation. I don't know. Just wearing
0: a bunch of masks and stuff. Anyway, they are leading the armies of Limbo to attack New York. For the most part, we have been loving this event. We haven't read every single issue necessarily, but we been reading a lot of them, really enjoying them. It's been goofy. It's been funny. We got Madeline Pryor teaming up with the X-Men and saying, you know what? I have my memory back. Let's go talk to Ben Riley and kind of do the same thing. This issue, it doesn't quite go that way. How do you feel it wrapped up after all of this built up here?
2: Well, I, I don't know, about like it all the way it all wrapped up. But I did really think that this was a lot of fun. This uh, this book had a lot of really funny moments. Cyclops being like, "Hi, we're your neighbors. Can you t- keep it down?" was such a hilarious Cyclops thing to say. Um, I, I liked what the kind of reveal at the end was, um, uh, what kind of was placed in New York. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, but over the top, overall, I just thought it was kind of like over the top fun and it didn't take itself too seriously. So I thought it was great.
1: This whole event reminded me of like a great improv show. Where you go to see it and you're watching it And you're like, this is fun They're doing, yeah. they're doing it, they're being weird and it's fun yeah. And then later, like if you're on a podcast About an improv show you were just at And they'd be like, so what did you, tell me about it And you'd be like, um So there's this, okay, so there's this guy And he's <laughs> like He's a clone And like, it's trying to explain it is, is is hard It's hard to like really put a flag in it Yeah, and especially it,
2: it, For comic book yeah. fans, like There's insane premises in comics that everybody's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, of course." But trying to explain this comic is is a whole nother level of like.
1: Yeah, and I'm left with sort of. Can I throw out a
0: contrary opinion? Oh, you're not done.
1: I have just yeah. I'm left with that sort of energy of like, oh, I don't know what it was all about. Like there Mm -hmm. wasn't a big fight at the end. It was sort of just like, nah, he's he's gonna stay here with me. (laughs) And it's like, okay, uh, fine. Yeah, but I I guess I wanted more. I agree this was
0: even though I generally enjoyed this I liked the art throughout really enjoyed this event I don't think it wrapped up in a way that made me feel particularly satisfied the conclusion with Madeline Pryor in the dark way X-Men stuff where they wrapped Grace. it up by giving her memories back and I thought was phenomenal I thought it was a really yeah. wonderful emotional beat to hit Ben Riley didn't really get the same thing, and it feels like that was a level of, oh, we got to leave him as this villain chasm. we got to do this other move that happens at the end with Limbo. So it felt like the chess pieces, which is what the end of events always feel like. And that was a bit of a bummer to me because I was having such a blast up until now. The comedy beats also were not as big in this issue as they were in previous right. issues, which – it did feel like wrapping up an improv show, where it's just like we're mentioning everything, yeah. you know. Like, let's <laughs> say you were talking about your friend Pete, and you had to mention all the things that you had mentioned about Pete walking down the street, and you had to go with bugger eyes, bad like, bugger eyes. It's yeah. just like, what is that? Uh, it's like, What yeah, is this character? Super tight bananas. Yeah, it's just sort
1: on. of this right. character. Pete seems. Unbelievable at this point. You know what I mean? Like, that's not (laughs) not really, honestly,
0: it's just grabbed up too quickly for me. Yeah, exactly. We're We're all grammed up. Yeah. Anyway, still generally enjoyed it. Still had a good time reading it. Just the finale was not my favorite part. Batman Legends of Gotham, number one from DC Comics, written by Andy Diggle, art by Carl Carl Mostert. This is uh, strangely a Red Hood book. That is wrapping up a lot of Brian Michael
1: Bendis's Leviathan stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did I, not expect. When I read this, I kept going back to the title page and being like, wait, what is, who is doing this? What is what is?" And it, it feels like a sta- it's a standalone book. Yeah. And it seems like it's setting up some stuff. But I was shocked.
2: Yeah, I thought this was a, a ton of fun. Andy Diggle, uh, great writer, really comes through here. I love the Killer Croc-Jason Todd relationship we get in this. A lot of fun that they're having. Art reminds me a little bit of a, a Frank Quitely kind of style. Yes, for uh, sure. Great action, really fun storytelling. Love Black Lightning in the mix. That was cool to see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is fun.
0: Even though I was confused, and I spent a good portion thinking, "Okay, this is something to do with the Gotham Knights video game, or something like that." So there's a lot of stuff going on. If you forget about whatever it connects to, it's a fun Red Hood caper um, with a, with some other characters in there.
1: Minor, and like a lot, yeah. Sorry, like a lot of DC books, it ends with like the end question mark. I'm like. Yeah, I don't know either, but <laughs> what's happening with all these people? Because I like the, there's a thematic running through it of Alfred and Jason Todd's thoughts in relationship with Alfred, which I thought oh was really God. cool. Yeah, very it sort of much ends so. in, a, in a nice place, but I don't know what it all means or where it's going or where to find out where the end is. The end question it. mark.
0: Minor Threats, number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Patton Oswald and Jordan Bloom, art by Scott Hepburn. This is the final issue of the series, following a bunch of supervillains who are trying to take down a big supervillain who killed this universe's Superman-type character. Bunch of great twists at the end and and throughout this issue sets up a cool new status quo. Not only was this a phenomenal four issue series in an entirely original superhero universe, but I would love to see more if they want to do more.
1: I agree. I thought this was great, really dynamic art and the story, the twists and turns you described, Alex, were really well laid out for us. And given the dramatic moment to Punctuate each of the twists. I thought is something that a lot of people have a hard time doing. It's a twist for twist's sake, but this is like twist, punctuation, twist, punctuation. Like it all really worked. I was so impressed. I think this is um, the rare comic where the first issue uh, was good and then it got better each issue up till the end of the, the miniseries.
2: Yeah, I was super impressed with it. I also really was uh, moved by the art. Uh, A lot of blood and guts in this. I love the gun with the the boxing glove, a hilarious and fun choice there. Um, Yeah, I just felt like it was super creative. I mean, the team that they got on is so funny and creative. I thought they really delivered, which is impressive. Definitely go pick this up either in individual issues or trade. Next up,
0: Star Trek number four from IDW Publishing, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Ramon uh, Rosada and Oleg Chudakov. This is continuing the story of an all star crew of Star Trek folks tracking down a God Killer. The God Killer gets revealed this issue. Justin, I know you were very high on this one, so take it away. Uh,
1: yeah, this is the same team as the Captain America book we talked about early. And I think this is a, just a great writing duo they're i think they're crushing it right now telling interesting stories this is like the jason aaron avengers of the star trek universe where it's like hey ever had an interesting thought about any star trek characters well we're all smashing them together in this one story where everyone's operating at a perfect 10 and they're wound up and the stakes are high the entire time it's Really good. It takes the next generation, the Star Trek next generation sort of mentality, incorporates characters from all across um, the Star Trek uh, different shows. But I think that's the sort of energy and mission statement they're really pushing through on. And I love that. That's my favorite Star Trek TV series, Next Generation. So this is just operating on all cylinders. Uh, I enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't have much to add more than that, but just wanted to say that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes Star Trek hits me right, sometimes Star Trek hits me wrong. But this was super impressive. Really, really felt like a a fantastic episode that I wanted to see. I was just uh, kind of blown away by it. When, when did I'm, you release, oops.
1: sorry, when did you release that blues track that was like, uh, sometimes Star Trek hits me right, sometimes Star Trek hits me wrong.
2: <laughs> so it's really good.
1: It's it makes Oh, thanks, speed.
2: man. Yeah, I've been still working on it. I'm still working on it. So Yeah. Oh, man. Someday. Someday yeah. I can't wait to download it.
1: It's hard to play the spoons, but you do it well.
0: Oh, thanks, man. Last but not least, Briar, number four for Boob Studios, written by Christopher Catwell, art by Jermaine Garcia. This is continuing our Twisted take on Sleeping Beauty. Twisted. Twisted. It's, uh, yeah, this is a gorgeous book. Great art.
1: And I wow. agree. I also like the story. I Yes, I also I, like the story. I just it. The Sleeping Beauty mythology, it's a movie that um, I watched in my house a fair amount and it's a great movie with a lot of uh, opportunity for getting into deeper mythology and this book is doing a good job of doing that while also having some fun. If you like fables, you might like this.
2: Yeah, this is uh you know, really well done. The art is super tight bananas. No cap. It is just one of those uh, well put together stories that is feels like a great comic book when you're reading it. No cap on the banana or what are you saying there? I'm not lying. Does your Um,
1: produce guy put a cap on your bananas? The
0: amount you can get. Yeah, he does. He does. No more bananas, Pete. We're cutting you off. Sorry, man. I go through a lot of them. Well, great books all around. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night. It's a the crowdcast in YouTube where we yeah. talk mostly to Kyle Starks, I believe, but not about yep. the books that he's writing. Uh, no. It's too bad. 7 p.m. on Crowdcast and YouTube. You can subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop.
1: I guess the book I want coming out of my eyes is A Hundred Ants. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs>
2: Sit on crappy couches and they let the secret week and occasional.